It's now time to go around the nation in Division Three football. And here are your hosts, Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan. What's this? Yes, it's a special preseason edition of the Around the Nation podcast as well. You know, every uh, every summer, Keith and I uh, get together for a day and a half, two days, if necessary, to sit down and hash out a lot of the uh, uh, the stuff that we do for kickoff, our, uh, including our preseason ranking of every team from 1 to 247. And I think this has always been something that's been on our radar to do a preseason podcast, but we always seem to be kind of exhausted at the end of the process. This year, we did a pretty good job getting through the the, the ranking process. We re-rank the conferences. We rank all teams 1 to 247 now. We're inching up on 250 teams as we add Finlandia this year. Bellhaven comes over from NAIA. And so, um, you know, this is a kind of a fun part of, year of, the, of the year for me because it gets, you start to get back in the football mindset. You remember things that you'd kind of forgotten over the past eight months or so. And as we edit, kick off, and then release it on August 25th um, for everyone out there to read to get their minds around football. You know, we'll get a better handle on, on what to expect this season. Yeah, so while you guys, players and coaches, you may smell that air in the morning and think, oh, yeah, this is what football practice uh, days smell like. And Keith probably has that feeling, too. For me, it's like, yeah, I really need to figure out who is number 122 this year because that's, uh, that, that's one of the major things on my mind. That not that one twenty two. I scroll down one twenty two. Oh yeah, yeah. They're going to be pretty, pretty right in the middle of the pack. Um, you know, not that that's the overall consuming uh, aspect of this, but it is definitely a uh, you know a, a process to try to figure out. You take these bunch of teams, you know, um, from especially some of these conferences where uh, geographically maybe they overlap a little bit, but don't necessarily play each other. You know, you could take the whole Centennial, ODAC. Uh, and the Liberty League, and, and kind of throw a throw a blanket over them, and come up with the Centennial Dominion Athletic League. Yeah, when we rank the conferences, there there several several tiers. Uh, certainly, the the elite tier conferences, and that middle tier, the you know the, the Centennial, the ODAC, the MAC, the Liberty League, um, all those teams. So we just got finished going through all that. That's fresh in our mind. We have a, a fresh ranking of conferences, fresh ranking of teams. We got a, a handful of feature stories. That um that'll be in kickoff, and I think those are all really good reads. Um, and and you know it, again, we're just trying to get back in that football mindset. Excited for the season. A lot of changes at the top, and and throughout Division Three to talk about. Yep, August twenty fifth is when kickoff drops. So if you haven't uh, uh, reserved your copy yet, uh, lined up your subscription, do that now. Uh, I can tell you on August twenty fifth when about half of you guys actually purchase your subscriptions. Uh, it's a real rush, uh, and if you have a technical issue that you need us to look at, it might take us a minute to get back to you. Order now, order ahead. That's what it's. That's what. Uh, that's why we suggest that. Um, but yeah, obviously, there's a lot of these storylines. I would say there's more like five or six handfuls of, of feature stories that Keith and I are just going to touch on as some of the uh, some of the top storylines for this year. And uh, you know, obviously, we have to uh, we have to begin. 2015 with kind of the same questions that we began 2014 with, except that now uh, you have a, you know, we have completely different questions about, you know, 
Wisconsin Whitewater and Mount Union. Maybe we have the same questions about Mount Union, except that uh, you know, once upon a time it was, oh yeah, Mount Union has its quarterback and changes everybody else on offense. Now it's almost everybody on offense is back except the quarterback. Yeah, right. So the questions are the same, but they're different. That's what you're getting at. They're about the same teams. And if you're tired of hearing about Mount Union and Whitewater, I promise you that's not all we're going to talk about, uh, especially here in these first eight to ten weeks of the season. But you know, just because uh, those teams have played in the championship game umpteen times in the last umpteen years, we have. To, we have to mention them here. Well, yeah, and the, and the big story for both of them is is the loss of a key key piece or key parts uh, at Whitewater. It's it's a changeover of the coaching staff. All six championships have come under Lance Leipold, who's now the coach at University of Buffalo. All nine Stag Bowl appearances have come with Brian Borland as the defensive coordinator. He followed Leipold to Buffalo. Another three coaches from the coaching staff. Also went went to Buffalo, and, and one who stayed behind is Kevin Bullis. And we write about him uh, in kickoff, the the, the preseason magazine. Um, that, that's I guess if it were a true magazine, that'd be one of the cover stories. Because you know how how can you expect a guy to live up to the, that kind of uh, you know the bar set so high from, from Leipold? Um, you know, at least they hired from within, and so they they. He knows how things run, and, and he's going to try to keep it on track. But it's, he can't live up to six championships in, in six years. they got to take it pretty much, I guess, just, just one week at a time. Yeah, I think if you're a Whitewater fan, you have reason to be concerned, absolutely. And I think that with the passage of time since a lot of this went down in November and December, remember uh, the, the, um, the, the hiring announcement at uh, University of Buffalo happened during the Division Three playoffs? Uh, and Whitewater pulled together and uh, still won the national championship. Um, and now we've had the benefit of that having receded in the past just a little bit. Um, but So there's not only that, of course, a significant changeover in the coaching staff, but we talk about the personnel on the field too. Uh, the, the, uh, the ground game should be in good shape. All the offensive linemen return. Top ground gainers are back, but Matt Barrett was a senior. He was the quarterback. Jake Kumro is in the, the Cincinnati Bengals camp and looking like he has a shot to make the team or at least a really good shot to make a practice squad somewhere. Uh, he's the top wide receiver. He was out. A uh, second really good wide receiver who came on at the end uh, transferred to Madison, UW-Madison, that's what we call them here, uh, to play for the Badgers or at least try to play for the Badgers. Uh, so there's some, there's some changes there on offense and then on the defensive side too, the secondary. Yeah, um, they lose Brady Gravehold who, who was – not only a, a consistent player um, for them over the past couple of years in, in terms of covering the, the best player on the other team, but um, but just made big plays at big times, you know, interceptions in the playoffs, in the Stag Bowl, uh, was someone who came out after that that uh, announcement was made by Buffalo and, and said, hey, we're going to keep this together. And, you know, they went out and they, they rallied in the fourth quarter to beat Wartburg. They had to hold on to beat Linfield. And then, you know, they, they didn't – I don't know if they struggled on the stag ball, but it wasn't, wasn't an easy win. It was 43-34, so they, they really had to, to take some shots uh, from Mount Union and pull that game out. And, it um, you know, they're, they're going to miss leadership like that, and, and that's part of what, what Kevin Bullis has to get going again at Whitewater. So you start fresh with a clean slate, but the expectations are, are probably – Right up there, as they've always been. On the Mount Union side, you know, the the longer you go that Larry Karras has not been the head guy on the sidelines, I think always creeps in a little more. The question is, how long does this maintain itself? And now they have to perform the changeover at quarterback again this year. Yeah, and that's the big thing. You know, when, when Vince Karras took over the job, the one he the one thing he, he had, 
he didn't have to worry about. You know, he'd been a defensive coordinator, um, mastermind of that defense, whether they were running a four-two-five or a two-four-five, or they're they're switching, you know, different kinds of personnel around, giving offenses different looks. He'd been the mastermind behind all that. But as an offensive guy, he had a quarterback in Kevin Burke that he could trust, and and a guy who who went down as you know one of the best Mount Union quarterbacks to play in in a long line of of Mount Union quarterbacks, and now he has to re- find that replacement. And, you know, obviously uh, you you still have uh, Larry around. You know, his, his presence remains within the program and within the athletic department and within the university. I had to go back into my brain cells to pull that out because it's not a college anymore. Um, and he's always there uh, for assistance and, and for that sort of thing. But, you know, if uh, – I guess I just look at this as a, as a potentially a big transitional year. Um, you know, they haven't been able to beat Whitewater now Whitewater has a, a a shot where you know this is a year you might be able to get them, um, and I, I just think that uh, you know the way this season turns could turn the next five or six seasons for both of those programs possibly. Yeah, maybe so. But you know, Mountain Union can't look ahead to Whitewater, even though the expectations is stagnant because their two toughest games last year, besides the loss in Salem, were against John Carroll, and that's another team that has a quarterback changeover. That uh, that we're going to keep an eye on, but but getting out of the you know th- there's a legitimate chance they could lose a conference game this year, which is you know hard to believe because they haven't done it very often. Uh, 2005, the last one. Yeah, 2005. Ohio Northern. Um, but yeah, that that's that's on the table, and so is national championship for Mountain Union. So that at least injects some some drama, some some suspense into the season at the very top level, where we you know we expect these teams to get back to sale. Uh, as you know, over the course of uh, last year's, if you listened to our podcast last year, uh, we do have the timer ticking down on us to uh, remind us to move on to the uh, to the uh, the next topic. So we're going to move on to the next topic before it starts beeping at us. We talk about some of the challengers. Uh, you know, teams that performed really well last year, uh, especially in the playoffs, came through the Whitewater side of the bracket and you know ran into Whitewater. But uh, let's, let's talk first about Linfield and then about Warburg in, uh, in just a minute. But uh, you know, Linfield had a really good run last year. They ran through uh, five or six time zones in a couple of weeks and uh, got themselves deep in the playoffs. Yeah, it was really one of those playoffs for the ages. And, you know, they fell a, a touchdown short at, at Whitewater. Uh, they, they fell down two touchdowns in that game, rallied to tie it, and they were down 20-14. They had the ball, uh, you know, going in to score and, and ended up getting stopped on fourth down around the 20-yard line. So it was one of the games for the ages. It was, it was a run that was fueled certainly by emotion on, on the Linfield side. You know, right at the end of the season, Parker Moore gets killed at a convenience store uh, right by campus. No, no fault of his own, innocent, you know, bystander, I guess. Um, and, uh, and that, I don't know if, you know, it almost sounds trite to say it galvanized them, but it certainly, it, it, it affected the team. And then along with all that happening, you know, they, they go on the road to play their most important games of the season. They look great um, winning at Mary Harden Baylor, which was a team that we thought maybe could, could break through to Salem. Uh, they look, they crushed Widener uh, out in Pennsylvania. And then and then they come back and play the the Whitewater game. Um, so they're they're a team that we're going to be keeping our eye on, not just because of the talent they have coming back, but also because you don't know how that emotional ride that they were on how that will affect them going into the season. Right, exactly. Can you draw on that emotion for as for as much of your impetus in 2015? Yeah, you know, you you just don't know, and that's Linfield is always a question mark. You know, we know they're going to be one of the better teams in the country, but you don't know uh, are they going to be a two round 
playoff team or are they going to be a team that has a chance to get to Salem? Uh, Wartburg, on the other hand, you know, we knew they were going to be pretty good last year. We had had them pegged pretty high, and then they come out and you know really dominate Bethel for most of the uh, most of the game in an early week uh, early week in the season, and just kind of roll and roll and roll. And if not for the injury uh, in the third quarter of the uh, of the playoff game at Whitewater, they might have advanced. Yeah, they were giving Whitewater the business because not only. Not only uh, in that game were they were they leading, but they had they had about f- I think five scoring drives early, but they kicked four field goals and, and a touchdown. I think it was in, they had, their first nineteen points came that way. I'm, I'm doing this all off the top of my head, so forgive me. Uh, I'm impressed if that's the case. If, if I if I misremember some of it, but the point is they were going up and down the field on Whitewater. They led to going into the fourth quarter. They gave up three touchdowns. Look at that! You nailed that. They gave up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and lost that game 37-33, and Whitewater get, gets to write its happy ending. Meantime, Wartburg, you know, for them, it's got to be frustrating because they know they can play with the best team in the country. Uh, they bring back their, their quarterback, first-team All-American for us in Logan Schrader, um, but they lose some key parts off that offense. Chris Brinkmeyer was, was a tackle. He was the guy who was, who was injured in that game. Uh, Taylor, what's Taylor's last name? Yeah, Taylor Jacobs-Meyer, the receiver Jacob, I, I want to call him Taylor Jacobs. Taylor Jacobs was a guy who got drafted, I think, by the Redskins in like 2002. So, <laughs> um, Taylor Jacobs-Meyer uh, also went out in that game, and he, ended up, he, we, he came in when Logan Schrader got hurt. He came in to play quarterback, so it affected them at two positions yeah. uh, at the end of that game, and, and, and uh, they weren't able to move the ball. Whitewater got the ball back and ended up going ahead. Um, but for them, looking forward this season – you know, can they maintain that top five team status? I mean, I think as much as that probably bugs Warburg, it also can can motivate them to say, look, we were as good as the best team in the country. Warburg went to uh, Whitewater in the quarterfinals in 2008, and then it took them a little while to get back to where they were last year. Um, obviously, there are a couple of other teams that could challenge, but um, some of them might come out of this new uh, conglomeration slash mixture slash whatever you want to call it between or, uh, this this swap of teams as well between the New Jersey Athletic Conference and the Empire Eight and just to, for those of you who uh, you know this announcement of course conference changes don't just happen overnight so some of this news came out about a, a year and a half ago but basically the New Jersey Athletic Conference got uh, Salisbury and Frostburg and a team to be named later no I'm sorry not uh, from the uh, from the Empire Eight. And traded away, as it were, Cortland State and Morrisville State, um, and then the New Jersey Jack also picked up Wesley and Christopher Newport. If you follow other sports in Division Three, basically the New Jersey Athletic Conference has its five football teams and the five schools from the Capital Athletic Conference who play football. So that's Wesley, Salisbury, Frostburg, Christopher Newport, and Southern Virginia. That's the ten in the NJAC. and the Empire Eights. You know, they gained uh, Cortland State and Morrisville, and they lost Salisbury and Frostburg. So there's nine teams in the Empire 8. There's ten in the NJAC, and those teams are going to pretty much dominate the East Region rankings, I would think. Yeah, I would imagine. So what you're looking at now is uh, two conferences that make a little more sense geographically. The NJAC used to be New York and New Jersey, and now it's New Jersey and Maryland and one team down in Virginia, or two teams down in Virginia. Um, but but the for the Empire Eight, it's all New York teams now, all short trips. A lot of the state schools in New York are all are all in the same conference together, and that makes 
a lot more sense for them rather than you know teams from the Finger Lakes driving to South Jersey. So when we've game. talked in the past, and people have talked in the past about it, like a New York Super Conference that might have all of those teams, those teams and the Liberty League teams. One of the questions is, well, you know, how do we? How, what happens to playoff access? You, you, a second team is less likely, we think, to get uh, to get a bid in a situation like that. Are, are these teams? You know, as much as it happens, the NJAC bringing Wesley into the conference means that New Jersey Athletic Conference teams have less of an opportunity. Well, I, I think that's certainly, you know, they make the road tougher for themselves to get the automatic bid. But one thing they do lock in is a better schedule each year. And you'll see that in both the Empire 8 and the NJAC is that the competition is going to be very tough between them. So, you know, you'll, you'll have Cortland State playing St. John Fisher and, and Ithaca and Alfred and you know, you go on down the list and and your strength of schedule is going to be pretty good. Same thing in the NJAC. You may lose to Wesley, but you, you're playing. If you look at the NJAC lineup, teams that have gone to the playoffs representing four different conferences in previous years. When you when you talk about Salisbury has won the Empire 8. Christopher Newport usually would win the USA South. NJAC would have its own champion. And then Wesley would go as an independent. Now you put all those teams in one group. It's certainly going to be a very strong group. And there's a chance that an East team may break through to Salem, although it didn't look very likely uh, last year the way Wesley performed out in Alliance. I was thinking, and uh, the buzzer's about to sound here. Oh, it's on silent. Well, that's unfortunate. Um, I was uh, I was thinking as you were describing the the great finish to the Whitewater Linfield National Semifinal that you were at last year. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was not that way at the National Semifinal I was at last year, in which Mount Union roared out to a 70 nothing lead, and then Wesley scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to make it only minimally less embarrassing. Just to be clear, Pat didn't say 17 nothing. He said 70 to nothing. I, um, I did say that, right? Yeah, so yeah. this is a fresh start for Wesley to, to join a new conference. They they have played some of these teams over the years. Wesley's played um, Montclair State and Kane and Rowan, and Rowan before. So this will, all, this will be a, a, a good, you know, it just makes sense for them. It doesn't make, I guess, as much geographic sense for Southern Virginia or Christopher Newport, but the competition will be good. The uh, Another change uh, this year is that the American Southwest Conference no longer has an automatic bid. Um, you know, McMurray left, and, and they're coming back, but that's another story. Uh, they won't be eligible for a while. Um, and then, uh, you know, Mississippi College left Division Three altogether. Texas Lutheran left the conference to join the SCAC, and all of a sudden they were down to just six teams. Uh, and uh, Sol Ross State couldn't even manage to remain eligible for the playoffs last year, so they really had just five teams that counted. Um, so, you know, this year and for, I believe, uh, next year, possibly in 2016 as well, they're not going to have an automatic bid and Pool B remains alive for a year. Yeah, well, that means you put the four teams from the SEAC, the six. Yeah, we think six eligible. Yeah. From from uh, American Southwest, Finlandia, which is brand new, and Maranatha Baptist. Put them in a group. That's enough teams um, to, to meet the NCAA's preferred ratio to keep one Pool B bid alive. What that means, though, in layman's terms is you have Mary Harden, Baylor, Texas Lutheran competing for basically the same spot, and then the leftover team is going to be competing for one of the five spots that, that will be available. Um, what did I say, five or six? Yeah, it should, it should be, be six. six so yeah. it'll, be, it'll be six at-large bids. 
So 25 automatic bids, one goes to pool B, and then there's six at-large bids, which is not a lot. So if you, if you don't win that, that automatic bid in, in your automatic bid conference, you're going to be dealing with not only all the other runners-up across the country, but whoever loses the, the Mary Harden-Baylor Texas Lutheran showdown, most likely. Yeah, you would think so. Uh, and, of course, just as a reminder, those two new automatic bids were the go to the conferences that the NCAA wanted to give them to last year, but uh, they didn't do their own homework. So it's the, uh, the MASCAC, the Massachusetts uh, State Collegiate Athletic Conference, and the SAA, the Southern Athletic Association. The MASCAC did not get a team in the playoffs last year because of this, and the, uh, uh, and the SAA did because only because Center ran the table. Right, Center was 10-0 was and, and went to John Carroll, lost... 63-28 in the first round. Um, this year, you know, at least for those teams, there will be a lot less consternation waiting around, a lot less angst on, on Selection Sunday or Selection Saturday night, as it were, for, uh, for, for those of us who... I think we didn't get a bracket until 6 p.m. on Sunday, right? There's, there's plenty of time on Sunday for angst, too. So there will be a lot less of that for those two, two um, conference champions in the SAA and MASCAC, but it will, they will, that burden will shift now to whoever wins the American Southwest, um, you know, whether Texas Lutheran is in the mix again from the SCAC and, uh, and all the teams that go 9-1 and one and 8-2, and two, but for whatever reason, tiebreaker or, or one weird loss along the way, don't win their conference. Uh, only those, those, those six spots uh, to, to play for. We've got an interesting little uh, showdown the first couple of weeks of the season this year. Uh, the Ohio Athletic Conference, of course, is a 10-team league, so that means that each of those 10 teams has just one non-conference game. Three of them are against teams from the Empire 8, so I'm working from memory on this one also. So Utica's playing Ohio Northern. I remember that because that's on one of my road trips. Um, oh, to the sports information director who said, we're glad you're going to see all those games. Just for the record, if I booked myself all 11 of those road trips, uh, I would be met with papers when I returned home to my wife and family. Just, just for the record, I'm not going to be on, <clears throat> not going to be on all of them myself. Otterbein uh, plays St. John Fisher, and uh, Cortland State plays Heidelberg. Interesting kind of matchups too. I mean, um, you know, uh, especially uh, I think that Cortland Heidelberg game would be very interesting. Uh, Utica uh, in the new Empire Eight is probably a little bit lower in the pecking order than Ohio Northern is in the OAC. And then um, Otterbein, you know, is is trying to get back above 500, and St. John Fisher is the uh, is the leader in the Empire Eight. Yeah, I, I just find all those games to be interesting because those middle teams in in those conferences really need those wins. You know, you you may um, because the the OAC is so you know four or five teams top heavy, and because the Empire Eight is so deep throughout. Um, you know, very unlikely you see a see an undefeated team aside from from Mount Union in the OAC. Um, so those wins are going to be a big deal. You know, they're they're going to need. I think you know, if Heidelberg is going to be in the mix, if Cortland is going to be in the mix, if Buff State or or Otterbein have any hope of jumping up, um, those are those are big games. And on the Empire Eight side, we were looking at. You know what? What a crazy uh, schedule one of the conference teams ends with. And then we realized, you know, if you look at, you know, you talk about the depth of this conference. If you look at the fact that, uh, you know, there's maybe just one team in the entire conference that everybody would agree is not very good right now, and has been in the recent past. Uh, even so, almost everybody has to run the gauntlet at any point during the season in that conference this year. Yeah, the Empire Eight has, you know, eight. Teams very capable of finishing with a winning record. Yeah, uh, Brockport, Buffalo, 
you know, they've had good teams in the recent past have, have won big games. Morrisville State uh, joins the league this year. They were 9-2 and two last year. Right. Uh, Utica won seven games. Alfred was just 5-5, five and five, but Alfred has been good. Uh, Ithaca, you may have heard of them. Um, and uh, Cortland State, you know, Ithaca went to the playoffs uh, each of the last uh, two years, and Cortland has beaten them four or five in a row in the Cortica Jug game. Uh, if it's if it's five, I apologize. Uh, I don't want to sell this streak short. It's just a it's just uh, an amazing uh, conference that the you know these guys are going to battle every week. I'm sorry, I know we're I'm bleeding away our time here, but you know all those coaches that say, well, it's really a grind in our conference, and you have to come each and every week. The Empire Eight actually is that conference this year, along with the WIAC. Yeah. I agree, and, and that's something that we took into account when we ranked the conferences just a few minutes ago, 1 to 27. You'll see those as part of your conference ranking page. When you go in to kick off, you read about your conference. The ranking will be right there on the page. Um, the, uh, let's talk about the Old Dominion Athletic Conference for a minute. Um, it's a conference that you and I know real well. You played in it, um, and uh, the, the – the, the top, again, of this conference, first of all, from top to bottom, this conference seems a little uh, mobile. You know, it's easy to move from the middle tier to the bottom tier to the top tier in any given year. Sure. Uh, and this year, the top tier is pretty tightly packed. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons, honestly, I look forward to reading kickoff. Um, and, and I hope people out there feel the same way about it, is there are conferences like the ODAC where you really need some help trying to figure out who's going to be good this year. And, uh, and, you know, who you have to worry about, which games you want to go to. You know, if, if you're a fan of the OAC, well, you know Mount Union is going to be pretty good. Uh, if, you know, there are conferences from year to year that, that are mixed up but have a pretty strong favorite this year. Iowa would be a good example of that with Wartburg. But I think in the OAC, I mean, in the ODAC, and nobody calls it the ODAC down here, just so you know. <laughs> um, in the ODAC, you know, it could be Guilford, could be Bridgewater, could be... Hampton, Sydney could be Emory and Henry. We don't really know. You know, could be Randolph Macon. We were five and five last year, but beat Hampton, Sydney in the final game. So that's what's so fun about that conference. The teams haven't done well in the playoffs, but they beat up on each other throughout the season, and that's what makes it one of the more fun conferences to follow. Um, it can be Emory and Henry. That is true. However, they are on two years probation from the NCAA. They had to vacate six of their wins from 2012 and five wins from 2013. There's no ban on postseason play, and nobody's ineligible, but uh, just kind of one thing to keep in mind. They had to self-report uh, some rules violations over the, course of the, uh, over the course of that 2012-13 span. But, I mean, Emory and Henry, uh, remember how great we thought they were going to be when Don Montgomery, the defensive coordinator at Mountain Union, came to take over that program, and they never did anything, and now under their new coach, all of a sudden, that uh, promise is finally being realized. Yep. I left you with nothing left to say. No, about tonight. You, well, you did. You made all the good points. <laughs> Kurt Newsom, we'll, we'll name the guy, right? There you go. Thanks. Perfect. Um, uh, let's see. You know, we've got a, maybe a few minutes left. This is not going to be one of our 45-minute or 60-minute podcasts. This will be more like a, a 30 to 32-minute podcast. But um, you know, other uh, other thoughts about uh, things that we might look at this season. For example. Uh, teams that uh, are sleepers. You write a big column about sleepers, obviously, in kickoff. You have a couple of thoughts as to who some of those teams might be that you want to share. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as we go through the process for kickoff, Pat and I discuss every team, and that's, for me, the first time I, I really think about what's going to be different from last year because you start off with here's where everybody finished. And as we go through these rankings, we discuss certain teams 
Um, and I'm always looking for the sleepers. I'm looking for teams that lost a lot of close games last year or return a big number of starters. Illinois Wesleyan's a good example of a team that didn't have a good record but but lost three really close games until you you flip a four and six to a seven and three or or something like that. And then you know you have a team that wasn't in the mix that's that's potentially in the mix this year. I uh, definitely look for that. I'll, I, I depend on all the kickoff um, team previews to come through with you know number of starters returning. Whether it's you know you start seeing those nineteen, twenty, eight back on each side of the ball. Those are the teams that that I expect to make a jump. You know by two or three wins, or be a team that maybe was knocking on the door last year that wins a playoff game this year. I think one of the most interesting ones is going to be in the Liberty League where uh, St. Lawrence dropped yeah. a puzzling game to Norwich early on in the season, then really came on uh, and, and gave Hobart a battle. I mean, Hobart had to come back and win in the yep. last seconds of that game too, right? Uh, like the, the playoff game that we were talking about earlier off the air against Johns Hopkins where they had to come back as well. Uh, I think that uh, considering what St. Lawrence keeps and some of the key positions that Hobart has to change over, that there might be an opportunity there. Yeah, I think the flip side of who's coming back is, is who's leaving. And Hobart lost three All-Americans, including two guys who are probably household names. Uh, Ali Marpet got drafted in the second round by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tyree Coleman left, left Hobart as one of the all-time lead, leaders in sacks and tackles for losses. Uh, a name who's been on the radar for a long time. DeAndre Smith was a guard um, who, who's been an All-American as well. So you, you try to replace that at Hobart. And... You know, there's a feature story in in in, uh, in the preview edition where Mike Craig says, uh, you know, last year, third and short, we knew who we were running behind. This year, we're gonna have to figure it out, and that's where we're gonna be working out in camp. And so, you know, those those third and shorts that they converted last year are they the difference in a game this year? Does does one result flip, and does that leave an opening for St. Lawrence to win the Liberty League? You know, that's that's the fun of getting ready for the season, and 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 um, you know. We have so many conferences coming back where the where the mix at the top is is so tight, and uh, and the Liberty League may be one where you see uh, a new team, a new champion, and a team that kind of gets buried every once in a while too. Uh, I think about um, you know someone who uh, teams that performed really well last year, um, but because of the way things have changed around them, might struggle. I I think of Christopher Newport this year, for example. Uh, they won a playoff game last year. They've been really good in the USA South for as long as they've had football. Uh, and as long as the USA South has had football, uh, Christopher Newport has been really good. Uh, and now, uh, you know, to project them at in the in the New Jersey Athletic Conference, you might look at them as a fifth place team. Yeah, you're right because you play Wesley, you play Rowan, you play uh, Salisbury, you play Montclair State. Now, all of a sudden, yeah, Christopher Newport's not the dominant team, and they're gonna have to bring it every week. But I will say this: I had a short conversation with with Matt Kelchner, uh last year. And uh, I think he knows, and I think all those schools that are going to the NJAC know that they're going to they're have to bring it. They had to recruit really well. And, and now that when they're going around, you know, talking to recruits, they, they're, they're playing teams that are nationally known now. And that, that um, I think, helps them. And I think they're going to have to, you know, you know, like you said about the Empire earlier, you know you have to bring it every week in that conference. And so, you know, Christopher Newport's not a team that we expect to see in the playoffs this season, but they still have an opportunity to do well because uh, because they're playing good schools every week. 
So this is the Around the Nation podcast. Uh, Keith McMillan and I uh, chat every uh, every Monday morning. It'll end up in your iTunes player or uh, if you uh, download on your podcast or look for it on the front page of d3football.com. That is where uh, you will find the Around the Nation podcast every week during the course of the regular season and on into the postseason. So if you haven't subscribed to us yet, uh, you know, click the uh, subscribe somewhere, download it in iTunes, all those things that, you know, people who own uh, Macs and iPhones know better than this Windows <laughs> Android guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually, it's really, once you subscribe to it once, you know, you can have them load right into your phone. So uh, that's how I get mine every week. I don't, I don't have any specific details because I did it once a long time ago and then it just shows up every time we post a new one. Ninth year of the Around the Nation podcast, I think? Yeah, the first time we did it was a 10-minute podcast, right? We sat outside of a USA Today building where we both used to work and uh, and just chatted for a couple minutes. And, and over the years, the feedback has been so good that we've uh, that we've expanded it. We uh, tried to streamline it a little bit last year so we could move things along, touch more bases without rambling too much on any one thing. And so uh, we hope that we've done that. We hope you enjoy this Around the Nation podcast and tune back in in future weeks for more of them.